What's up, everybody? Thank you all for coming out to episode 12 Fire and Boys podcast. Today, we are here with Emily, our good, good, good friend. And we're going to be talking about mental health and physical health and how they intersect, interact with each other. So get ready for a lot of great knowledge. Emily is 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 just like the savant, the, the expert on this. You know what I mean, she has hands-on knowledge and we will hear from the goddess. Oh wow! Right that's, a, that's a that's a big. I know. That's I, a don't, big I don't. I don't give you these kind of intros. So I know. These, I've never heard an intro like are, that for myself. These, these, <laughs> these are the intros that our guests get. Yes. So this is actually our first guest on the podcast, and we're really excited uh, to have you here, Emily. And yeah, let's just like introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, and let's know what your background is, what you do, and yeah, let's kind of take it from there. So I definitely have experience, but I don't know if I'd call myself a goddess or an expert. That's fine. Don't worry. That's what this, this is what I'm here for. Uh, but I'm a um, I'm an LCAT, which is a licensed creative arts therapist. So I'm licensed to practice psychotherapy specifically as an art therapist. So I use art as a tool and a process to um, assist in the in the therapeutic process, in addition to kind of your typical classic therapeutic talking approaches. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. So how does that like, so how does that manifest itself like in, in your job at work? Like, cause I feel like that's a sort of newish field in this to a degree. You know what I mean? We're like, so how does that actually manifest? I'm going to stop there. Go, 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 spit, spit goddess. Well, it's not actually all that new. Um, Freud would have patients draw their dreams. Jung would have patients draw mandalas to represent their the unity of their own self and unconscious being. Um, but basically, uh, the way that I use it now is that it's it's a way around um, talking, right? And like words are a very like cognitive process, but a lot of like our experiences and our memories are encoded in our brains in these like nonverbal neural pathways. And so the best way to access them might not be through talking because maybe you just literally don't have the words, you know, because by forcing yourself to, to talk about something, sometimes you're, you're, you're already putting it through a couple of filters, you know, to translate those like feelings and experiences into language and then to speak them, right? So it's, it's a little, it can be a barrier sometimes. So that's why art can kind of work through that. Right. I, I like the idea of like, doing something doing something outwardly or like whether it's you know in your case art therapy like getting someone to you know draw or paint or create like do something externally to like work through things that are going on behind the scenes or things that are going on mentally like i know for us like we're talking a lot about like fitness and working out and kind of like the body in that way but even thinking about it in terms of like painting or drawing, like you're doing something physical with your body, even in that sense to like process deeper things kind of going on. Yeah, I think that they're they're very much related, you know, like fitness and and like making art or even just doing anything creative because, you know, you're, you're using your mind in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you're asking your mind to do things like you know, figure out all these complex yoga poses or come up with this, you know, brilliant composition in your painting or something. And so again, just like what I was just saying before, like you're not necessarily like thinking through in language, you know, like 
this is this is where I'm putting my foot next or this is what I need to do next. You know, most of like our thoughts and our experiences aren't quite so like linear like that, the way that language is. So yeah, so like working out, being creative are ways to like engage your mind in ways that are that are not dependent on like speaking and like, you know, the typical things that you would hear about. Like kind yeah. of stuff like yeah. kind of. Yeah, because I, I like because I like that because when you know Tiana and I when we have our clients or other things there there's when people are having like a bad day or they're going through something in their physical life or in their emotional lives or anything like that it does show up in their workouts and we've had people like if you've ever had a a uh, um, somebody do personal training with they do become a little bit like a therapist to a degree. Right, like people will tell you things that they might not normally tell you. And it's weird that there's like this connect. It's like, listen, I'm just making you do burpees, but then you want to tell, <laughs> me, tell me, your life but then story you want to tell me your life story. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like there are people out there who've like told us really deep and intimate things just based on us being like, do bicep curls, <laughs> you mean like once or twice a week. And so I do feel like the physicality, the way I look at it is like, there is this sort of the physicality is like that original language that then we we put words and all these other things kind of on top of. So sometimes doing something physical can lead to a deeper understanding of like your mental like state. Like a physical release can help lead to like a more emotional or mental like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it sounds like that. it's you know it's the the physicality of it is is kind of like removing your your defenses. Yeah. Like when you're putting your mind to these like nonverbal things that like working out, then you're using less of that mental energy to like defend consciously, keep this to myself, keep this secret. Right. And so like when you're, you know, diverting some of that mental energy towards your workout instead, then it becomes a little easier to open up. Hmm. Can you speak to a little bit of just the, the connection between the mind and the body? Because I think we all have probably, even our listeners, you know, listening that probably all had the experience of like, you know, having a shitty day or being upset and then having like a good workout and feeling like this release or this ability to like work through things going on in your life based on like a physical experience. Can you speak to like that mind body connection a little bit? Like how has that shown up like in your work or in your life and like what maybe like misunderstandings people have about that mind body connect? Well, the, the misunderstanding is that um, there are separate things. You know, I, I wouldn't even use the word connect because your body is your mind and your mind is in your body. You know, they are one thing. Um, you know, you, you can't chop your head off and be just fine. You know, <laughs> your body and your mind will both die. Like they're dependent on each other. Like your, your, your brain is literally like, we were saying this before we started recording, but the, your brain is literally like made up of physical parts yeah. of your body. It's not like it's like a face. It's made up of the exact same, you know, like cells and tissues as the rest of your body is. Like your muscles. Uh-huh, exactly. Is the brain considered a muscle? I don't know that. No, it's its own kind of tissue. It's, okay. it's, it's made up of like a, like a big mass of like neurons basically. Okay. Um, but yeah, but those are like what extend all the way down, you know, your spinal column yeah. and then out into the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this this idea of like a gut feeling is actually like scientifically supported now because we know that there's actually a lot of like neurons and nerve endings like in your gut. I've, I've read that. I've read mm-hmm. something that was saying that like, I don't know, what was it saying? That essentially like the stomach or the gut has like, I don't know, just as many, but like has some kind of like 
process like processing the same ish way that like your brain might like there's some kind of like something happening there yep exactly and so that's why when you get these kind of gut feelings again it this these signals might not have gone all the way up to your brain and gone through the complex process of turning it into language and a thought that you can speak aloud that's why we just call it a gut feeling mm -hmm. like you just know like something's off or something's you know going really well you know like kind of just these like gut instincts are not just like coming from nowhere they're coming from your from your body like they show up they're coming from your physical self and they're even showing up physically yeah like i don't know if you can speak to this too but i know i have um you know our back remember from our background is in yoga yeah and we'll have there's a whole school thought you know that how emotions experiences life even you know trauma to get heavier like it's all physically held like in the body and i know that yoga speaks a lot to this as well like they say like certain things are held in your hips so like if you have like tight hips they get like a lot of things are stored i think physically and i think that whether or not it's in your hips or just in your body overall i do think that like i do think that the body holds certain things like has that is that something that has shown up physically like has shown up in your work or in your life like do you feel like the body does yeah take absolutely on that? there's actually um a really famous book called the body keeps the score <laughs> I've heard chapter one of that book. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like any, any like psychotherapist or clinician, it's like, everybody knows it. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the foundation of understanding, um, you know, like inherited traumas and anxiety and like anything that even like things that you've inherited, like from your parents or from society and culture, it's really like your body literally keeps the score of like what's been happening to you. And, you know, this is where the problem of like this idea of mind and body are, are separate things can become an issue because your mind is, is creating these really complex defenses so that you don't have to feel certain things. But, you know, your body is there keeping the score and it, your body is going to feel it if your mind is blocking, you know, this emotion or this thought that's really, you know, hurtful to you. Um, your body is going to feel the hurt somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't just go off into nothing, right? Right. right. So is there, I, I know that we were talking kind of like before we started here, like about the like physical practices and like the mental uh, aspect of it sort of coming together. I, I know that we were talking about PTSD and all of that. Like, are there, um, are there people in ways that they've started to introduce kind of like physical practices to help mental health? Definitely. Um, Clinicians are starting to use some like very physical methods of self-regulation. Um, some of my favorites have to do with the the vagus nerve. Are you guys familiar with that one? No. no. It's like the it's like one of the longest nerves in your body, and it starts like in your mouth, in the roof of your mouth, and it goes down through your neck, all the way down your spinal cord into your pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. And in the mouth and in the pelvic floor are where like the ends of that nerve are most accessible. So like some of the some of the training that I've done as a mental health professional is like teaching clients how to do kegels because it's like stimulating the end of that vagus nerve because then that's like you know releasing the the nervous system so like when you're feeling like very up and and you know anxious and like you're upregulated you're you're in that fight or flight response but there's nothing to you know react to in a fight or flight response way and you need to bring yourself back down some of these like internal introspective kind of like physical skills can just help bring you down yeah i know so obviously this is like an unprecedented time that we're all living through right now in terms <laughs> of 
COVID and politics. And it, I think so do your Kegels. <laughs> so do your Kegels, okay? Guys, if the only way that we're gonna make it through COVID and 2021 is Kegels, Kegels, Kegel Kegels, together, all right? It, it, it is the therapy. But um, no, so obviously this is, I think, a super stressful time for everybody. And even people who may not, even like myself, like I have never, you know, really identified as like a super like, anxious or like a depressed person. I've never really had those like mental health struggles, but I have felt more anxious this year. I felt days where I feel more depressed than I have in other times. I think that might be a common thing going on. Definitely. People really taking on the toll of all of this. So, I mean, do you think that one, I guess you're speaking to that and also, I don't know, what are things that like the common just average person who wants to like increase their their mental health in relation to their physical body like what are like things that they can do throughout their day throughout their life to to kind of like strengthen this like connection in our in our world that kind of like does separate these things you were saying it's like this is the mind this is the body like how can we like restore that connection and like i don't know what even practices that you use personally or for patients like what are things that you feel like kind of like help strengthen that like yeah so one thing is just to remember that these things are intertwined you know so anytime that you are you know getting enough sleep that's taking care of your mind and your body and anytime that you're you're eating vegetables instead of you know candy that's taking care of your mind and your body right and so those it's like this this feedback loop because they're so interconnected so any sort of like self-care where you're like being nutritious and healthy in these other ways is also taking care of your mental health. Um, personally, like I've been running a lot, which I'd never did before COVID because all of my preferred fitness activities were like indoors. Um, I've been like, just, yeah. just like breathing in people's mouths. Yeah, just... yeah, like boxing, like literally like like hitting yeah. other people. Like. <laughs> so we actually met um, Emily at the rowing studio that we used to teach at in New York. So when you're, you're, you're breathing heavy, but like pure stranger, cardio, pure cardio, heavy breathing with like a stranger like 12 inches away yeah. from you. Like it's just, yeah, those things don't exist. Those things don't exist. So running has been one. Yeah, so it's it's been great to get outside and I know that we were talking before about how you said that February is like the worst month February for working out. Guys, if you have not listened to the last podcast, basically all I did, the whole podcast was Bitch bash the month of February. It is terrible. We need to outlaw it. We will cancel move February. We will move Black History Month somewhere else. You know what I mean? I'm 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 not saying cancel it and and take away yeah, but let's put it Black History Month in June or July or somewhere around there, but let's just cancel the month of February because it's horrible. It's terrible. And other than Valentine's Day, okay, so it's as you're trash. Saying, so we're going to get too deep into a tangent. Sorry, but sorry. As you're saying, sorry. Hash, hashtag February. destroy February. I've been enjoying this February. Like I've never been outside so much as I have this year in this month, and I've really been enjoying it. Like the cold air is like really invigorating when I go out for runs, I want to go out for like a casual stroll and I, I haven't done like any outdoor dining because it's too cold for yeah. that. But in terms of like getting outside for a run or for some like physical activity, it's like, it's really refreshing to like be in the sunlight, yeah. even though we don't have that much of it this year. And that cold air, like it just feels 
so much cleaner than like the muggy, humid yeah, summer I air. That when I, I, you know, if you know me, you know I don't love running, but I have been <laughs> working on it and I have been getting better and I'm very proud of myself. But in the winter, I have gone on a few outdoor morning runs when it's been pretty cold. And like, while it's kind of like death to actually get out there to start with, like once I'm running and especially after like, there is something about that cold, fresh air that like physically I feel more awake, even if I was like ready to like go back to bed. But like, again, speaking to that mind body, like mentally, I feel like way more up. Mm -hmm. Like if I was like dragging, there've been days when I was like really dragging and like just a little bit overwhelmed and like stressed and maybe a little bit anxious. And then like going for that run, like one, I feel more physically awake and like my mind also feels like, okay, like I'm up now, I got, like I, it, there, there really is like a big shift that happens for me only like in 10 minutes. And it's like more of an accomplishment that you got outside when it's like 15 degrees yeah. out, you know, like you can like pat yourself on the back just for that. Even yeah. like if your run wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. Right. Now, you know? now while I disagree with both of you on the February <laughs> aspect of it, I do feel as though, you know, I mean, one of the things like the mental tricks that I do for myself is getting a workout in early in the morning. I do the same Just thing. to like get the adrenaline, like that's sort of like the mind-body connection for me is like getting the adrenaline in my body, like knowing what that feels like, then is like, it's like a boost for the rest of the day. I get the same thing. And on the other end of that, if I ever try and work out like after work, at the end of the day, it's super, super difficult for me. Yeah. And I think it's largely because of like decision fatigue is a very real thing that happens. And so each decision that you make throughout your day, the next one is like a little bit harder to make. So after you've had like a full day of working and and made all the decisions that you made, even just like what you're gonna wear to work, by the time you get home and now your decision is, you know, should I sit around on the couch eating chips and watching Netflix or should I work out? Like you don't even want to think about that. So you're just going to go with like the easiest option. And uh, that, that rings true because I was talking to like um, my uh, sister-in-law and she was saying like she hates the gym because she never knows what she's supposed to do there. Mm. Right? Like she always has, like you have to, unless you go in there with like a general plan or a general idea of like what you're going to do, like that is another decision that you have to make. Right? Exactly. As far as like, so some people out there, you might not hate the gym. Like if you feel like you hate the gym, you might not hate that. You might hate the decisions you have to make at the gym after a long day of work. I think that's why people really like personal training and going to classes because they don't have to make those decisions. They just show up and do. Someone just tells you what to do. Yeah. And like that's what we think. Like I'm like, I think that we've talked in our podcast before this idea of like creating a path of least resistance to yourself, especially mentally being like, make it like the easiest part, like create no like barriers to like getting yourself up, like how seamless and easy can you make it from bed to like outside for your run? Like remove as many decisions as possible. Like I think that mental fatigue, like when you start to like, I know for myself, like overthink and get mm -hmm. in your head, like it, it kind of, it stops you. But if you can just kind of bypass that and get into your body and just like connect with that right away, like it's a lot easier than having to like step over all these like oh, yeah. mental hurdles. I lay out like all of my clothes, especially in the winter, you know, I have all these extra layers and stuff. I lay out everything the night before. I have like a heap of clothing at this point because it's so cold, like all the right. layers I have to put on. But then in the morning, you know, I do my warm up and then it's just right there. I put it on, I don't have to worry about it or think about it. And it's not even it's not even a decision to make whether I you know go out for the run or not because it's just already like a part of the, the routine. Part of the process. Yeah. You created the environment. Like, right. Yeah. Because like it, that makes sense. Because like if if you're trying to go out for like if you're like oh I want to start work running or I want to start working out, and like you wake up in the morning, the real decision then you if you haven't laid your stuff out, the decision you have to make is like okay well what am I gonna wear. 
what am I going to do this? What am I going to do that? What am I, am I, mm-hmm. what am I going to eat beforehand? Am I going to have a smoothie? All these other things become impediments to actually going for the run. Whereas like if you wake up in the morning and you're like, I just want to run and everything's laid out for you, mm-hmm. then it's easier to do. It like right. removes another Absolutely. few hurdles. Yeah. I like the idea that you said like each decision, like the mental fatigue aspect decision of it. Fatigue. Decision fatigue. Yes. Like yeah. each this is, decision. This is a proven scientific concept in the field of cognitive psychology. Yeah. It's decision fatigue, yeah. How, how do how do phones play into that? I don't want to get. I mean, this is like a fitness <laughs> podcast, but I, now I'm intrigued. Like, how do like do like you know you have to decide like what apps you're opening up, right? Like what articles you're gonna Actually, click on, like all so those much things. Power <laughs> flipping on our phones from day to day, like. I'm yeah. sure there's all kinds of energy being released that Absolutely. can be better served. <laughs> and to circle back towards the, the COVID thing, this whole idea of like doom scrolling, right. like vicarious trauma is a very real thing. And, yeah. you know, hearing like the death toll every single day is like we're, that we're, every single person in the society is taking on that vicarious trauma every day. Right. And then to compound on that, like humans are very social creatures and we rely on each other to regulate each other. You know, like if you see someone like starting to get freaked out, like you, like your heart rate starts to go up and you start to get a little freaked out even if you don't know what's yeah, going yeah. on. It's like a defense mechanism right. so that you can be prepared. Um, but you know, if everybody's like freaked out because of COVID, then there's, you know, we're all feeding off of each other in this culture. Kind of yeah. Lingering. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really have all the answers to that because yeah. this is unprecedented. Go figure it out. <laughs> yeah. What's the answer? So my question other? is, how many kegels do we have to do <laughs> per article, right? So like, if I'm doom, if I'm doom scrolling, I click. Maybe just do your kegels as you're doom scrolling. Okay, just like make every, it, yeah. make it every, unconscious. Every scroll is a kegel. Every scroll is a kegel, all right? Yeah. That sounds like a book title, like every scroll is a kegel. I don't know. But so we'll write it, we'll write it. There's other ways to, you know, regulate yourself, yeah. like these like deep breaths, for yeah. example. Right. I, I was going to th- ask like that. Like, I know we have a few listeners out here that, you know, have talked to us about, ongoing anxiety and overwhelm and you know depression in some cases like are there any things like i don't know that if so you're in that moment you're doing like you 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 feel it all in that moment whether it's scrolling or talking to somebody or you're taking on someone else's energy like what are like what are ways to like deregulate i know you mentioned breath like is there any certain kind of like it's like just deep breathing like what do you yeah so um so you know as learning yoga you, you probably learn a lot of these techniques as well like they're very ancient techniques but also have been proven to be very effective with like modern science so when you're talking about like your upregulated nervous system sympathetic nervous system is is on and it's activated it, it secretes the hormones that make your heart rate go up that make your breath go up that make um, that that make your muscles tense and a little bit of adrenaline, so they're ready to go. And so you don't have control over you know the secretion of your hormones, but you have control over some of those things that happen. And the breath is one of the most accessible ones. So like if you think about like your heart rate starts to go up, your breath starts to get like shallower and faster. If you just literally force your breath to slow down, close your eyes, breathe into the count of four, hold it for a count of four, release for a count of four, hold it at the bottom for a count of four and repeat, then you're like literally forcing, it's just this one aspect of your sympathetic nervous system response to slow down and the rest of it is kind of forced to follow as well. Yeah, right. I, I know that in, in yoga, there's that idea that the breath is both voluntary and, and involuntary. It's like the one thing that like, of that involuntary world that we normally, you know, you can't normally control like your heartbeat or your blood, your heart pumping, whatever, but you can, you breathe without thinking about it, but you also can't think about your breath and control it. So it's like this bridge 
between the voluntary and the involuntary. And that that breath practice you just brought up, like I, I've done that for myself and for my clients. And when I first started, I found that I could inhale, no problem. I could hold the inhale, no problem. I could exhale, no problem. But holding that exhale for four counts immediately, like made me like, I felt anxious immediately. Mm. Like even holding for like two counts, this I, I had to like remind myself like, okay, the next breath is coming. Mm. Like you're, you're empty of air right now, but like the next, the next breath is coming. Like it's here and kind of getting into that practice of being like feeling the fullness of the inhale and then feeling the emptiness of the exhale, like not, and not stressing at the bottom. Like where's the mm -hmm. next, where's the next, where's, where's oxygen coming from? When am I going to get it next? Like that's a good practice to get into of like knowing that the temporary discomfort like is passing, the next inhale is coming and that you have some control over like how you're breathing. And I think that is like a beneficial, like grounding kind of like practice to get into. Yeah, I like I like the idea as well, like with the that controlling something physical, because I don't, you know, and you'll let you'll let me know if I'm wrong and everything I'm about to say, but like you can't like just think your way out of these responses necessarily, right? Like you can't. I feel like you we have this idea of like mind over matter, where it's like, oh, my heart rate's up and like I feel scared. Let me just think, think it out. Calmness without employing any breathing techniques or any of that kind of stuff. And let and then like, that'll solve all of my problems, right? Like, and I think that we need to, like like you said, like it has started to happen. Like we really need to start employing some physical techniques in here, even if they're just a way to like get there quicker, right? To like calm yourself down quicker. Well, it's interesting that you say get there quicker because like this, this automatic response that we get is usually triggered like from your spinal column. Like it hasn't even made it all the way up to your brain yet when you're in this like mm. fight or flight response. I'm glad you I know, like if you hear like a startling noise, like your mind isn't immediately like, I heard a noise that's yeah, concerning. Yeah. Like you jump and you look around, you know, like you're because because like the nerve, the nerve is like shorter distance to get to the spine as opposed to all the way up to the brain. So your spine is able to like react. And so again, like your spine is obviously a much more part of your body than your brain is. And it's like making a lot of these decisions. So it's like spine over matter, really. <laughs> it's really like, it's not even, the mind's not even involved in this, like in some of these, pro so like, yeah. So like, I the, the, the like spine the body, is like- The body's reacting, not just the mind. Like yeah. the physical body yeah. is like- If you're trying to think your way out of this thing and the body's like, no, like we haven't even consulted your mind on this at all yet. Like, so you're talking to the wrong, manager basically like, it's like your spine goes right? like, something's off be prepared right that's all that your spine knows it's right. your brain's job to figure out what's going on what do i need to do right. but like your spine yeah. is like gets you ready first before anything right. else happens so even if the mind is like because i feel like when people say mind over matter they're really just talking about like shutting it down right like they're not talking about like analyzing it they're really talking about like just don't think about it just do it right like the spine sends the spine's like something's wrong and the mind what we do is we're like, no, it's not. Shut up. We're fine. Whereas, like, it'd be more effective to like lean into that process right. and be, and you know, look around. What what was that noise from? Oh, maybe it was you know somebody somebody dropped their keys. You know, and then like your brain your brain identifies it, understands, and then deregulates you. You know, you don't need to like force it down. This is obviously like a very like simple kind of example, but right. it right. applies to the more complex things in our lives too. And I think it's also worth noting that like our, our brain evolved over, you know, like millions of years. And for most of the existence of our brains, 
experience in the evolutionary journey, it was it wasn't capable of like language and thought. You know, it was just fight or flight, just survive. And that's kind of like that's that's at the center of our brain. We call it like the old brain. It's like literally in the very center of your brain. The things that make us capable of like thinking and complex ideas and abstract ideas and language is all like much newer. And so like if we're faced with like a very like primitive kind of you know fight or flight issue even though in this modern day most of those things aren't happening you know we aren't being chased by saber-toothed tigers every day but like speak for yourself (laughs) speak be prepared be prepared always watch out for the saber-toothed menace but see that's what that's what like exhausts your nervous system is if you're saying always be prepared always be hyper vigilant then your your nervous system is literally always upregulated you know your your heart rate is always higher than it needs to be like you're always secreting these hormones the adrenaline and cortisol that are like literally running your body down and exhausting it yeah. like that's why we need to be able to come down I like this idea of you said like lean in towards because like uh, Brandon and I have talked a few times about like how we kind of get annoyed sometimes with like hyper like new age spirits with like fear is like a useless thing. like don't ever listen to the fear to stress and like for me yeah. when I think about it I'm like you know what like there there are t- evolutionarily speaking if you're being chased by a tiger like fear is gonna help you like survive Absolutely. like there are times like even like in modern days like there are times when like fear or strike it's it's a valid physical response for a reason, but it's this idea of like learning to not exist in that space all the time and how to turn exactly. that off and how to deregulate when, when it's because like, cause fear doesn't serve you or like on a 24 seven day to day basis. Like how can you listen to it when you need to, but then also deregulate it and back out of those things when it's not serving you. And I think that people get kind of stuck. It's like, no, no, we don't have to like shut off fear forever and never be scared or never be worried or right. never be, those are all valid I things. Tell, I tell this to like my clients all the time too, you know, like um, they'll, they'll talk about how their goal is to be happy all the time. And that's just as unrealistic and unattainable as, you know, being afraid all the time. Yeah. And just as harmful too, because as humans, we are capable of experiencing a wide range of feelings and emotions every day and and we should you know but we need every single one of those just like you said and that's annoying people that are attacking all the time you're like yeah well they're they're also they're also not (laughs) right going on there they're also not right they're also like terrible people to be real in my personal opinion just like people who are like i'm super happy and then like one thing gets thrown off yeah. And then they're, they're like, not able to deal with that. and they're not happy and because right? they're not dealing with every emotion that comes up throughout their day yeah. as it arises naturally. They're suppressing most of it, and then that yeah. one thing that gets through is just like way too yeah. much. They don't know how to handle right. it. And like, we have, I'm not going to name any of but lots of examples in our life of both individuals and also couples that like some of the people that seem the most like. I used to, since I've any like friends of mine, someone that I used to it, work with. It's us. It's, it's, no, it's us. <laughs> it's Tiana and I. You mean, don't trust it. The Instagram lies. No. There are lots of couples who seem really happy online and then the camera goes off. We're and we fight all the time. We're very open We do. That. We do. <laughs> but no, we, you know, I've seen some people in some couples where like they, the surface is so happy and I look at it and I'm like, no. And it turns out like a year later, it's divorce and things are crumbling. I'm like, exactly. Because like, you're not letting yourself be real about the real things that you're feeling on the day to day. So I mm-hmm. like this idea of like not having to pretend that you don't feel fear, that you don't feel sadness, that you don't feel stress. It's like, no, those are all valid human things. Feel them, deregulate when it doesn't serve you and when you can, and like use these physical techniques to like work through some of that emotional, mental, you know, stress or stimulus and like 
can, that can be a way of like working through these things and still function in your life and overall having things trend well. Yeah. And, and I think you'll yeah. you'll enjoy, you know, the, the positive end of the spectrum of human emotions more if you are also experiencing kind of the negative end. Right. You know, because you're able to like experience that full range, then you can really appreciate you know, happiness and wonder and amazement and all these other, yeah. you know, positive things as well. Which is, which is what this, this year has been teaching us, you know? You appreciate it. Appreciate, <laughs> listen, I am going to appreciate every single moment. You mean the I next the next smelly homeless person? I'm really going to appreciate that, you know? When I can be out there and, like, really just <laughs> take it all in. Now, Emily, really quick, I have a question. So um, with all these, like, hormones and, the, you know, when you do get these responses, what happens like let's say you get these like you know the fight or flight instinct or fear or like whatever it is like if you don't act on it what happens to that right like does it just like whoop, that was a blip i'm gone it's done or like how did you mean like well it depends so um if it works the way that it's supposed to once as soon as you know you realize there's no danger your body should just automatically deregulate itself. But like in our modern day and age, like there's constant stimulus, like you don't necessarily give your body that chance to naturally um, deregulate itself. So sometimes you you have to take the time to do that. And then if if you go even beyond that, where you find that like you just can't downregulate like ever, then, you know, there might be a sign that maybe it's time to, to go and like see a therapist or something yeah. because maybe there's something more going on. Yeah. And I know before we before we like wrap up, I think I want we want to touch on that too because I know that before we were recording, we were talking about I know people talk about like running's my therapy or like yoga's my and I've said things like that before and like and there's an element of like the essence of what people are saying there is true. It's it's a way of, of me of like processing and dealing with the world around me and like blah blah blah. But I you did mention that there is a difference between yoga and therapy. If you want to like speak yes. to that for a second, well, basically, so. We talk about this this, this range of experience, right? And so I'd say when you get stuck in, in in one experience, like if you're just feeling depressed all the time and nothing that you're doing is working, you know, even even if you, you know, you do yoga and you say yoga is my therapy, but like really that's not bringing you up enough and it's not, it's not balancing you out enough, you know, like 80% of your day is still depression and it's only like a few minutes a day that, you, that you're feeling better is yoga. That's that's not enough. That's not normal. It's not healthy, you know, because you're, you're, your mind is still, again, like secreting all these hormones that are, you know, preventing you from experiencing that full range of emotions all the time and helping you feel balanced. And that's when going to a therapist, like, can help, I don't know, find out what's going on. Maybe it's something that that happened to you a long, long time ago, or maybe it's some some other defense that that you built up because of you know our fucked up modern world is like putting all this pressure on you, and you know it just and it happens over time, yeah. And also making sure that I think too that like you know while yoga or I know you know working out or music or whatever, we all have these different forms of quote unquote what we call, what we culturally call therapy, but like that as long as it's like a tool that we use to like process and not like a way to like not deal with other real like that's a good distinction like, yeah. like lifting weights is not might make you feel good physically but it's not going to help you like process family trauma or whatever right like, it might just be distracting you for the time being and right. that's what makes you feel better but then it's you know that's still there as soon as you're done yeah. working out well, like, it might help you and it might it might help you it may help you like start to down regulate a little bit yeah. right. right so right. that then you can do the work of processing it right yeah. like maybe you know 
I know that for me, working out is, you know, it is meant, it does help with my mental health because I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll just, don't, don't, don't overanalyze me right here. It's Emily, <laughs> like, you know, but um, no, I do feel like just throughout my whole entire life, I was every day of my like weekend or after school was spent doing something physical, right? So if something happened in school that was frustrating me or something like that, I had time to like get that energy out, downregulate, and then afterwards, like, think about what happened or why did I act this way or what, what yeah. was going on. And so I know that for me, that's like a practice that I've gotten into. And when I haven't had the practice of like going and doing a workout, maybe like once or twice a week or like whatever it is, that my mental state kind of changed as well, just because like I didn't have anything else that would help me downregulate. So I think that's an important thing that you just said is that like once you're at like working out helps you deregulate and then you can process and walk through. Yeah, like yeah. um like that's like a basic idea in yoga, for example, right? That's why you always end with shavasanas so that you know your mind can be relaxed and still once your body is tired. Yeah. You know, like they they kind of go together. together. Yeah. I think it's a good because I do think like, you know, using working out or yoga or whatever as a form like of temporary escape isn't necessarily like a bad it's like this way of like i know for me i've gotten into like almost like meditative moment i'm sure you have like running or like even me boxing like it doesn't seem it seems really aggressive and that it wouldn't be meditative but like my mind totally goes blank and i'm just in the moment boxing and like that is there is an element of like escapism there from like the stress of work or the stress of family or like day-to-day yeah, I mean, getting like the runner high, like the runner, these are all things that can help you escape like the day-to-day, -day, like whatever. Um, as long as you then also like take that like deregulation to then make sure that we can like actually deal with things in your life. Right, and we're talking about this yeah. like this, this mind and body interrelatedness and like the working out does, you know, change the hormones that are within your body and that are impacting your mind and your mood and your thoughts. And so, you know, even if it's, even if it's, you know, not enough on its own, like you've, you've got other traumas, other things from your past that you still have to process, that working out and that physical release of those hormones can make it easier to, to then process as well. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I, I like that because I feel like there's this idea in our society that like, if you need anything else besides the mind, then you're not strong, mm -hmm. right? Like, so I know that for me, listen, you know, I'm, I'm 32, I'm about to be 33 out here. Um, old, old man. And honestly, I'm just, my, what I realized now is I'm like, I just need to like deal with like who I am, right? So like, I need to go, like if, if let's say Tiana and I got into an argument, which never happens, right? <laughs> um, like if I need to go and like go for a run or go to the gym or go do something so that I can then come back and approach our relationship and in analyze things in a productive way, then that's something that I need to do. And I'm not weak for needing to do that mm -hmm. in that moment, right? Like I'm not like, it's okay to need to do something to and not to release a little bit and not to just like, you know, Charles Xavier mentally like <laughs> psycho myself out of feeling. And it's feeling. important to know that like going to a therapist, they're not gonna do that for you either. They're not gonna be Xavier for you. And you know, what they do is again, going back to um, like, they, they tap into kind of these old human processes of like, mutual regulation almost so like they'll help regulate you while you go back and process and deal with whatever you need and they will hold you know a safe space for you and they will um you know like they will be regulated themselves which will help you feel regulated and so that you can like process as well and so even if you get dysregulated in therapy 
as if you have a good therapist, that's okay. And that's actually really helpful and healthy because then they can help you re-regulate. And then that's almost like, you know, practicing, you know, like, like the more that you run, the better you get at it. It's the same with like processing these feelings and memories and everything too. And so if you're practicing with the help of an expert, which is a therapist, in the same way that, like, you know, you'll get better practicing with a, with a personal trainer until the point like where maybe you can start to do some of these things on your own. It's, it's kind of like the same like idea. The mind in the same way you train the body because, as you said, they're really the same thing. Like you can, like yeah. you can, you can practice and you won't get better just like with any other thing. Absolutely. So even if you do go to therapy, it's like it's not like forever. Like you don't, you don't have to go and being like, oh no, like I'm, I'm like fucked up forever. This is this is my life now. It's like well no, like I'm, maybe maybe a long time just to help you you know have an outlet throughout the week but also like maybe you're going just like for a very specific crisis that you recently went through you know like bereavement counseling for example or you know like it can be used in in lots of different ways it doesn't have to be like i am I fucked up forever therapy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right and i think that's similar to like physical like you know fitness stuff as well like there's obviously you should stay physically fit for your entire life or whatever it is but there are times where you may be going through something to a degree and you might take, do a different kind of workout. You know, like there might be times where like you need more cardio or you need more lifting outside of the physical, outside of the like training aspect, but like mentally, like if you need to feel like strength, maybe lifting a little bit heavier might help with that a little bit as well, right? It's like to know that like you do have the power to hold a certain amount of weight or something like yeah. that. Or if it's like just like you might hire a trainer for a certain time and season and like learn the moves, the form, what you should do, and then you can kind of take that and do your and like continue those tips on your own. Yeah. And then if you want to circle back, you can't. You know, I've had some, or maybe you. I've, I've had some clients for years, and not like they're ever going anywhere. Shout out to y'all since. Hold it down. <laughs> and that's just as valid yeah, too. Is, exactly. is again, it's you know because of that social aspect. Like you want somebody exactly. who's there to help guide you and support you, and and that's yeah. the same like for your mental health is for your physical health. Yeah. Some people keep their therapists for their whole life. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this has been a really good, great conversation. I mean, is there anything you in wrapping up would want like closing thought or like overall thing that like people should know or if you just feel like you've said everything you're like no i feel good like, that's, i'm that's, done that's actually. fine too but like is there any uh you know closing kind of like last word that you think is an important thing for people to take away um i would say like if you if you're thinking do i need therapy then consult with somebody right. like call, call a therapist and consult with them or go to a few sessions yeah. You know, that never hurts. You know, like it doesn't hurt to to contact, you know, like a, a personal trainer yeah. or a physical therapist, you know. So if you're if you're wondering, should I, do I need it? Then the answer is usually yes, check it out. Yeah, yeah well, guys, you know, you, you know where we're at. Fire and voice. Not for therapy, but for personal For training. personal, <laughs> do you mean? And then like, maybe we can chat and get to know each other. Yeah. And then, do you mean? We we obviously know people in the field. We can help you out, hook you up. You know what I mean? Okay. It's a whole wellness. It's about wellness, guys. It's about wellness. Well, thank you for being here with us today, Emily. We're really Thank you for having me. It was yeah. fun. And um, we'll put your, I mean, I don't know if you, We'll put, put your, we'll, we'll put your, notes. we'll put your personal people, phone yeah. number <laughs> in and the like, show notes. If people want to like 
you know, reach out or learn more, whatever. whatever. Yeah, no, they're, they're welcome to reach out. Yeah, okay. I'm happy to answer questions. Cool. And I'm, you know, connected to a whole network of pretty good therapists. So if anybody wants referrals, I can do that nice. too. Nice. Okay, fun. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. Bye, guys. Peace. Bye. Bye, guys. Peace. Bye. Bye, guys. Peace.